0: Hello, and welcome to the Good News Podcast, where we try to share the good news of Christ's salvation. We'll try to upload a new message every week for you. For more information, or to send us a comment, please visit us at www.gathered.com. Thank you. The following message was given by David Oliver of Bryn Mawr, Pennsylvania, at the Brookfield Gospel Hall in Brookfield, Connecticut, in the fall of 2003. It was part of a two-week seminar series on future events entitled "Finding Security in an Uncertain World." For outlines of these messages, please go to www.gather.com. Thank you. Thank you for the meeting tonight, it's time for recording. And uh, remember the meeting tomorrow yeah. night on Wednesday night, seven thirty each night. at the Lord have it come. Mm-hmm. Now there are a number of passages it's almost difficult to limit where we will read tonight but we'll start in Genesis chapter 3 we'll go from the beginning of our Bible to the end. Genesis chapter 3 <coughs> you know the scene in Genesis 3? The Lord God is speaking to Adam and to Eve and then to the serpent. And his words to the serpent in verse 15. And I will put enmity between thee and the woman, and between thy seed and her seed. It, the seed of the woman, the Lord Jesus, shall bruise thy head. When will that take place? And thou shalt bruise his heel. When will that take place? This is the first promise of our Bible. And the first part of the promise, that is the first promise as far as the Redeemer, the first part of that promise takes us to the event we will be looking at tonight. He will bruise the head of Satan. And then Satan bruised his heel at Calvary. Now look with me in the book of Isaiah, chapter 63. Verse 1. Who is this that cometh from Edom, with dyed garments from Basra? This that is glorious in his apparel, traveling in the greatness of his strength. I that speak in righteousness, mighty to save. Wherefore art thou red in thine apparel, and thy garments like him that treadest in the wine platter? Answers again, I have trodden the wine crust alone, and of the people there was none with me, for I will tread them in my anger, and trample them in my fury, and their blood shall be sprinkled upon my garments, and I will stain all my raiment, for the day of vengeance is in my heart, and the year of my redeem is come. How dark the first part of that verse is, and how bright the last part. The day of vengeance is in mine heart, vengeance for his enemies, and the year of my redeemed is come, blessing for his own. And I looked, and there was none to help, and I wondered that there was none to uphold. Therefore mine no own arm brought salvation unto me, and my fury it upheld me. And I will tread down the people in mine anger, and make them drunk in my fury, and I will bring down their strength to the earth. Now, the book of Joel, we haven't visited there, so we'll look just briefly in Joel chapter 3. Joel, Amos, Obadiah, Jonah, Micah. Joel chapter 3. Now, verse 1. For behold, in those days and at that time when I shall bring again the captivity of Judah and Jerusalem, I will also gather all nations, and will bring them down into the valley of Jehoshaphat, and will plead with them there for my people and for my heritage Israel, whom they have scattered among the nations and part of my land. And they have cast lots for my people, and have given a boy for a an harlot and sold a girl for wine, that they might drink. Verse 9, Proclaim ye ye this among the Gentiles. Prepare war. Wake up the mighty men. Let all the men of war draw near. Let them come up. Beat your plowshares into swords. Now this is the opposite of what you have, for example, in Isaiah. Where they'll beat their sword in the plowshares. But now, take all the ability you have with uh, metal and devote it to war. Beat your plowshares into swords. And your pruning hooks into spears. Let the weak say, I am strong. Assemble yourselves, and come, all ye heathen, and gather yourselves together round about. Thither cause thy mighty ones to come down, O Lord. Let the heathen be wakened, and come up to the valley of Jehoshaphat. For there will I sit to judge all the heathen round about. Put ye in the sickle. For the harvest is ripe, come, get you down. For the press is full, the fats overflow for their wickedness is great. Multitudes, multitudes in the valley of decision. That does not mean that they will have a decision. That means that the decision is being carried out by the Lord himself. For the day of the Lord is near in the valley of decision. The sun and the moon shall be darkened and the stars shall withdraw their shining. The Lord also shall roar out of Zion and utter his voice from Jerusalem and the heavens and the earth shall shake. But the Lord will be the hope of his people and the strength of the children of Israel. So shall he know that I, the Lord your God, dwelling in Zion, my holy mountain, that shall Jerusalem be holy, and there shall no strangers pass through her anymore. Now the book of Malachi, the last chapter. Verse 1. For behold, the day cometh that shall burn as an oven, burn as a furnace, and all the proud, yea, and all that do wickedness shall be stumbled, a fire of God's judgment, and the day that cometh shall burn them up, saith the Lord of hosts, that it shall leave them neither root nor branch, but, twofold character here as well, unto you that fear my name shall the son of righteousness arise with healing in his wings. And ye shall go forth and grow up as calves of the stall, and ye shall tread down the wicked, for they shall be ashes under the soles of your feet, In the day that I shall do this, saith the Lord of hosts. And once again, the New Testament, Matthew chapter 24. 27 for as the lightning shineth out of the east and shineth even unto the west so shall also the coming of the son of man be radiant glory that will light the whole heavens when the Lord Jesus comes unmistakable and or for wheresoever the carcass is there will the eagles be gathered together the second indication is not only the. Brilliance of his glory but the tremendous darkness of judgment that will fall at that time. Immediately after the tribulation of those days shall the sun be darkened and the moon shall not give her light. And the stars shall fall fall from heaven and the powers of the heavens shall be shaken. And then shall appear the sign of the Son of Man in heaven. And then shall all the tribes of the earth, that would be tribes of the land, that would be Jewish people, mourn. And they shall see the Son of Man coming in the clouds of heaven with power and great glory. And he shall send his angels with a great sound of a trumpet. And they shall gather together his elect from the four winds. From one end of heaven to the other. In the parable in Matthew chapter 13, the angels are also going to gather out of the kingdom all things that offend. So angels will both gather together from a whole earth, those that are going to be brought into the kingdom, and the angels will take from that kingdom, from that potential kingdom, all the wicked to be burned in the furnace of fire in the language of Matthew 13. Now, this one I'm reading, two other readings, but one on the book, Revelation chapter 1. You can see from what we are reading now in chapter 1, that this is the point toward which The book is moving. Verse 7. It's the event we're looking at tonight. Behold, he cometh with clouds, and every eye shall see him. And they also which pierce him, and all kindreds of the earth, kindreds of the land, the tribes of the land of Israel, shall wail because of him. Even so. Amen. And finally in chapter 19. And we will read that verse eleven. And I saw heaven open, and behold, a white horse, and he that sat upon him was called faithful and true. And in righteousness he that he that judged and made war. His eyes were as a flame of fire, and was nothing that he could not see. And he shall rule them with a rod of iron, and he treadeth the winepress of the fierceness and wrath of Almighty God. And he hath on his vesture and on his thigh a name written, King of Kings and Lord of Lords. And I saw an angel standing in the sun, and he cried with a loud voice, saying to all the fowls that fly in the midst of heaven, come and gather yourselves together unto the supper of the great God, that ye may eat the flesh of kings and the flesh of captains and the flesh of mighty men, and the flesh of horses, and of them that sit on them, and the flesh of all men, both bond and free, both small and great. And I saw the beast, and the kings of the earth, and their armies, gathered together to make war against him that sat on the horse, and against his army, and the beast was taken, and with him the false prophet that wrought miracles before him, with which he deceived them that had received the mark of the beast, and them that worshipped his image. These both were cast alive, the beast and the false prophet, cast alive into a lake burning with brimstone. And the remnant were slain with the sword of him that sat upon a horse, which sword proceeded out of his mouth, and all the fowls were filled with their flesh. Mm -hmm. Solemn reading. Now uh, tonight, we're going down toward the bottom of the outline of events that we're considering. And uh, the title for tonight is His Crown is So Different. Thank God. We remember a crown that he wore. And his crown, whoops, And the day that's coming, his crown is so different. And this is a focal point, maybe one of the most specifically prophesied events in all the Bible. And we have looked at the very first promise of the blessing that God is going to bring through his son. And it points onward to this day, he shall bruise thy head and thou shalt bruise his heel. And so this is when the Lord Jesus puts Satan under the feet of his own, according to Romans chapter uh, sixteen and this is the momentous event of the Lord's return to this world, his coming so that his feet will touch him out of all, as Zechariah chapter fourteen says, suddenly he will come, and all opposition to God will be judged and dealt with. And we are looking tonight at that great event. The return of the Lord Jesus bodily, visibly, to earth. It is an event that is uniquely associated with all his glory. And I have selected different titles of the Lord Jesus here. And not, this is not adopted by any means. But he is the Savior. That will be displayed when he comes. He is the Son of Man related to this. He is the Sovereign Lord. King of Kings and Lord of Lords. And he is the one who has life. The Son of God to bring life to the saints. The Son of God. He is the Shepherd. And he is the Son of Righteousness of healing in his ways. But the return of the Savior, we're looking at with the idea of his coming now to save Israel. And that is a spiritual salvation, but it is primarily a national physical salvation. He that shall endure to the end, the same shall be saved by the coming of the Lord Jesus at this very moment. They will be saved from extinction. They will be saved from death. They will be saved to be brought into the kingdom and for God to fulfill his words long promised. We've been looking at, from the second night, we've been looking at God's promise of kingdom and a kingdom and blessing for Israel and that now is secured by the coming of the Savior because the nation of Israel will be a nation at the very point of extinction. If those days were not shortened, there should no flesh be saved. And uh, the idea of the days being shortened is this, those days are cut short. Those days are limited, they are measured. Twelve hundred and sixty days, they're measured. And the end of those days, if God allowed human history to roll past that point, there would no flesh (coughs) be saved. That is, the nation of Israel would go into extinction. It's an endangered nation, but there will be among them a, a remnant waiting for the Lord Jesus to come. And so, in the various passages you have here, all Israel shall be saved, that a deliverer shall come out of Zion. And we're reminded in Zechariah chapter 12 and verse 10, we uh, usually, the King James quotes it this way, they shall look on him whom they have pierced, and that's quoted in John 19, where the Lord Jesus was pierced by that spear, and the scripture will be fulfilled in that day that's coming, they shall look on him whom they pierced, but actually, I think the word that is used there is they shall look to him that is pierced. In other words, in all their grief and consternation with all the armies of the, uh, of the nations gathering around Israel and, and Jerusalem itself being nearly brought to the point of extinction as we were looking at last night, they will look to him. There's one they're longing for. The one they rejected, the one that was pierced and they'll be waiting for him. And he will return as the Savior to a remnant that is ready to receive him. And not everyone who goes by the Jewish name will be ready to receive him. But there will be prepared among them a remnant, a part of them, ready to receive him. And uh, to to be saved, not only are they saved spiritually, but they are saved physically, nationally, to come now through this terrible time of tribulation and into the coming glorious kingdom. It will be his own glorious revelation. He is the Son of Man. And according to Psalm 8, and the quotation given in Hebrews chapter 2, the Son of Man is to have all things put under his feet. Everything to be subjected to him. The birds of the, the fowls of the air, the fish of the sea, and the beasts of the field, all to be under his dominion. And he to subject all And he is coming in all the glory of his person. He cometh with clouds. Every eye shall see him. I love the words, don't you? Of uh, Matthew chapter 24. He's coming in power and great glory. In fact, I guess I have it down here further on the outline, but uh, you read his own words that he's coming in his own glory and in the glory of his Father. All the glory of deity, all the glory of an exalted man, all the glory of that shall ever be His, Read in in His person. What a tremendous sight it will be when the Lord Jesus comes in power and great glory. He came in us. He came unwelcome, unwanted. He's coming back and He's coming that every eye shall see Him. And when He comes, it's wonderful to remember that He will be wearing the global crowns. On His brow are many diadems. You read about he is crowned with glory and honor now. He has a victor's crown of glory and honor. That would be the, the laurel wreath of a victor who has triumphed and now sits in the enjoyment of his victory. He has that now. But when he comes, it's not this laurel crown of the victor that he wear. It's the regal crown of empires. And every empire will be his. Remember what he was promised? All these will I give thee if thou wilt bow down and worship me instead of worshipping him he went to a cross to do his father's will he expressed his worship of his God by going to a cross we think of how much we receive from the cross while we enjoy that let us never forget that God finally received from a man the honor that God deserves full Devotion to God despite the price. Mm. He gave his life. It's what his God deserved. what your God and I deserved from us. But he received it from him. A supreme act of worship. Remember he said, Thou shalt worship the Lord thy God, and him only shalt thou serve. No worship, no service for the devil. All worship, all service, reserved for God. He gave to God full worship, full service at such a tremendous price. And God says, Ask of me, and I will give thee the heathen for thy inheritance, and the uttermost parts on the earth for thy possession. And he comes with all these crowns on his brow. And uh, then it won't be handled Messiah that is sung. Actually Handle God it from Revelation chapter 11. The kingdoms of this world are become the kingdoms of our Lord and of his Christ. And he shall, I like to hear he shall reign forever and ever. Thank God for the crowns that will adorn him. This is the day of his glory. This is what he deserves and he will have the glory. He is coming as a sovereign. I think it's amazing for us to note this. I want to come back to this but I just want to plant the seed of this in the hearts of all of us. But you think of the tremendous power of the Almighty. King of kings and Lord of lords. Is there any nation that will be able to resist his power. When all the power of governments, all the power of the United Armies of this world, all the power of human ingenuity, all the power of Satan moving behind it, the sovereign is coming. And he is finally going to deal with all that opposes him. In Joel chapter 3, what we have read, is the Lord just picturing all of these armies gathered together. He says, I'm going to gather my people together in that day and I'm also going to gather together all the nations and I'm going to plead with them. I'm going to let them know. It's a courtroom case and he will sit the judgment. This is what you have done to my people and this is the result and the judgment of God is going to fall on those nations. The armies will all be reduced. Multitudes, multitudes in the Valley of Jehoshaphat. Multitudes, multitudes the valley of decision. Whose decision? That can be preached in the gospel that the multitudes, multitudes are in the valley of decision and sinners must decide. Multitudes, multitudes in the valley of decision and he will decide. They have had their word in man's day. This is his day and he will have the final decision, judgment, for those that have risen up against him. In Isaiah 63 where we read it's the picture of this this scene where he comes with his garments stained with blood. In fact, you remember about this battle it speaks about the horses' bridles stained with blood. What a tremendous time of of devastation and bloodshed. As men rise up in war against the Lord and the Lord reduces them with mighty power. And they, he comes with his garments dyed with blood is the picture. And there was none to help. None of the people to stand by Him in His own arm brought salvation. He accomplished salvation on the cross by Himself. He is coming by Himself. We'll just look at the fact that He had others with Him, but in terms of the power and the might. By Himself He stands to save Israel. By Himself He stands to judge the nations and all the wicked, and all the nations opposing him the armies will be broken and his enemies will be banished some will be banished to hell they will die by a sword but there are two that are singled out that will go directly into the lake of fire these are real human beings body and soul and spirit cast into the lake of fire and one of the men that goes is the man with the great swelling mouth speaking blasphemies against God. And he marched through this world to do his own will until he met the Son of Man coming in power and great glory. And he is cast eternally. This is his judgment. He is cast eternally into the lake of fire and with him those the false prophet that performed all of those miracles. His enemies all banished before him. Accompanying this event of his return and dealing so mightily with his enemies is the resurrection of the saints. Now, I have to tell you that not everyone that I respect as a Bible teacher will tell you what I'm about to tell you now. But I'm quite settled about it. Actually, where it began to dawn on me was one day reading Revelation chapter 11. And the time of the reward of his promise and the time of the reward of the saints is come. And uh, I would suggest to you just say suggest. I will suggest to you that the time in which we are living is a unique period of time, begun by the descent of the Spirit of Pentecost, concluded by the return of the Lord to the air at the rapture. And at the rapture, God will complete what He is doing in this world and take a bride to heaven. So that I understand that when the Lord Jesus comes and raptures away the saints, Resurrection takes place, it is the resurrection of New Testament believers, those who are part of the church, the body of Christ. And those of Israel, Daniel, and Abraham, and David, and all the notables of that particular period of time, will wait until he comes back again, because that's what they were promised in Isaiah, that he would come and his reward would be with <laughs> And so, uh, he is coming to this earth, and his feet will touch the man of ours, and there will be a resurrection of Old Testament saints that will be brought into association with him and his kingdom. And then as well, tribulation saints will be raised according to Revelation chapter 20. Those that have uh, died, given their life, because of their faithfulness to him, they will be raised to reward when the Lord Jesus comes back to this earth. And so together, all that are associated with Israel will be brought back from death and they will have the reward in connection with the kingdom Of our Lord Jesus Christ. Something else that ran through my mind that I was going to say with that, but it ran out the other side. With the Son of God, His retinue will include the saints. The first prophecy through human lips that we have recorded in the Bible is recorded in the the last book of the Bible. Right? The first prophecy in the Bible, recorded through human lips, is given to us in the second last book of the Bible. The first prophet was Enoch, who prophesied that the Lord God shall come, and all the holy saints with him, and he will judge the ungodly of all the ungodly things which they have ungodly done. Quoted for us in the book of Jude, we don't have it in the Old Testament, but the prophecy of Jude is the prophecy of this prophecy of this event. Just underline that again. The first prophecy through human lips was the prophecy of the event that we're looking at here, with all his saints. And so his saints are coming with him when he comes. Whether that includes the Old Testament believers raised so that they will come with him, it certainly includes the angels as well who will come with them. Now, this is where I have quoted these three passages where the Lord Jesus speaks about his coming, the coming of the Son of Man, and he speaks about his coming in glory with his angels. That's Matthew, And he speaks about coming in his own glory and the glory of the holy angels. I think that's Mark. And then he comes in his own glory and the glory of his Father and of the holy angels in Luke's Gospel. But uh, it's a tremendous thing. The Lord Jesus is anticipating that day as he speaks about it. And, and he sees the foreshadowing of it just in the next verses as he's on the Mount of Transfiguration. He's actually seeing that coming day of his glory uh, just in miniature, in anticipation, But the angels will come in all their power and might. And some of those angels will gather together out of all the nations, the remaining Jews that have been faithful to him to come into the kingdom and be brought to the Roman man. Some of those angels will go through that land and take away from the land of Israel every unbelieving Jew to be cast into the fire. And with him will not only be the saints, if that is a different class, the resurrected, newly resurrected Old Testament saints, the angels and the church. Preachers. Because unto her it is read, says John, to be arrayed in Fine linen! Clean and white. Where's that fine linen coming from? It's coming from what you did today when you bowed to pray. It's coming from what you did when you just took a little food over to the neighbor. Yesterday morning, wasn't it? It comes from every righteous act, every act in a Christian's life that has been done by the energy of the Spirit of God in devotion to the Lord Jesus Christ to fulfill the will of God in your life and in mine. What a tremendous privilege. I tell you, when you see this day that we're talking about, it gives you a tremendous, it gives me a tremendous incentive. I would love to have as much as I can to contribute to that garment. Because you see, 2 Thessalonians chapter 2 speaks about the day when he shall come. In flaming fire taking vengeance on them that know not God and them that obey not the gospel of our Lord Jesus Christ. When he comes to be admired in all them that believe. He will be admired by us. we, 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 We will see him in heaven. And when we see him in his regal glory coming, yes we will admire him. But it doesn't say he will be admired by us. He will be admired in us. You know what I think the picture is? You see him coming in power and great glory? And look at her. She's coming with him. She's his bride. And uh, you know all the preparation that goes into these dates and, and all the money. Melody went with Rebecca and a friend to pick out a wedding garment, yeah, you know, wedding dress. Rise, like this. And they came away saying, you know, we spent a lot more on that than we plan to spend. It's a special day. She's got a garment that she's been weaving for 2,000 years. And by the grace of God, it is the most unusual, most glorious garment that has ever been seen on man. And when people. S- I think of this sometimes. Of course, it's never the case that you look at the groom and you say, why did you ever pick such a sad-looking bride? That's maybe more often the case that you look at the bride with oh, all her beauty as she's just in the blush of this wonderful time, and then you look at the, <laughs> the follow-up and say, oh, yourself, huh? Have ever sent to say yes to him. Well, nobody is going to look at the Lord Jesus and say I wonder why he ever had a bride like this. When they see you and me they will say she is just perfectly suited for him. That will be grace. We will be to the praise of the glory of his grace Forever adorned with all the beauty. And when they look at us, they won't be saying, what a beautiful bride. You know what they'll say? What a bridegroom to have a bride like that. When he shall come to be admired in all men that believe. And so, we're looking at the company that comes with him in his glory. And he comes to the Mount of Olives in all his splendor, with all this glorious array. Uh, behind him in his own personal glory. And, uh, his feet touch the Mount of Olives in the glory of his person. he built with all these armies up there in the valley of Megiddo in the valley of Jehoshaphat. And now, he comes to Jerusalem, and Psalm 24 will be fulfilled, and they will say, About that one that's coming, lift up your heads, O ye gates. And be ye lifted up, the everlasting doors, and the King of Glory shall come in if you ever go over to Jerusalem these days you'll see the gate that he's going through and you will see it absolutely positively barred and cemented from the inside by the Muslims who claim the temple mount on the inside of that he's not coming through here lift up your heavy gates and be ye lift up the everlasting doors King of Glory shall come in. Who is this King of Glory? The Lord mighty in battle. This is the one that we're speaking about. And he will ride through in tremendous triumph. Welcomed by awaiting people after all the time of their supreme Holocaust. He's coming through the gates and again the song goes out Lift up your heads O ye gates and be ye lift up the everlasting doors and the King of Glory shall come in. Who is this King of glory? The Lord of hosts. The Lord who is strong on behalf of his feeble people. He has come and saved them at the last moment. The Lord of hosts. He is the King of glory. He's coming. And all his radiance and power and glory. Our guide, when we were in Jerusalem, coming over the mountain from Bethany, over the Mount of Olives, down in Jerusalem, he said, Now over here, are all these ancient graves. And he said they're actually still selling some of these graves. But the price of these graves is astronomical. And people are willing to pay a price, an astronomical price, to be buried here on this mountainside, this hillside. You know what? (laughs) They are paying great money because they want to be the first to arrive to welcome Messiah. I hope all the ones that are buried there will be there to welcome them. I'm afraid too many of them will miss so the resurrection at that point. And their resurrection may very well be the resurrection of the dead. But at any rate, think about it. With this realization in their mind, to be the first to welcome him in resurrection on the graves. But notice, associated with this coming, affecting the war up to the north of the land, Touching down on the Mount of Olives, actually as we read last night, the Mount of Olives will will split west to east, and that will put a dividing line so that the north and the south of the mountains will separate, and actually the Dead Sea will flow from there through to the Great Sea, and the, uh, the waters flowing through Jerusalem how that will all be affected, I cannot tell you because the geography doesn't appear to accommodate at this time, at this point. But earthquakes and all that will take place in the day that's coming will all pave the way for this. And living, healing water will flow through Jerusalem. And the Dead Sea will be a different sea in that day. But when he comes, affecting all of that in the Valley of Armageddon, touching the Mount of Olives, making such tremendous Geophysical changes, the dead rising and being rewarded, his entrance into Jerusalem, and when he shall sit upon the throne of his glory—that's in Jerusalem—he will gather all the nations before him, and he shall divide them as the shepherd divides his sheep from the goats. So that actually, the next event we're looking at is the review of the shepherd. That. Uh, he will sit on the throne of his glory and all the Gentiles I used to think it meant Switzerland and Poland and Denmark would all be gathered before him and he would say Denmark you didn't do right by my people and, but uh, Germany you, know, you didn't do right by my people either but it's not that it's people, individual peoples from the nations, Gentile peoples will all be gathered as individuals before the throne and he'll separate goats. the sheep. On what basis are you going to separate between the sheep and the goats? On the basis of whether they are saved through faith in him. But there will be evidence if they are saved through faith in him. Because in this time of tremendous trial and upheaval, when the messengers that he sends to them with with the message of salvation, when they go, in the last part of this week, the messengers, none of them could be put to death. They were sealed at the beginning. And they will live through this period of time. But the enemy will do everything he can to stop their message. Some of them will be sick. Some of them will be in prison. And these people who have believed in Christ through their preaching will visit them in prison because they're loyal to them. They'll bring food to them when they're hungry because they're loyal to them. It's the result of salvation. They're not saved by their works but their works will prove that they are saved. Never would it be more difficult to live as a believer than in that (laughs) time. They will live as a believer, hazarding their own lives. And he said, "Inasmuch as ye you have done it unto one of the least of these, my brethren, you've done it unto me. And they, they, they were not aware they were doing it to him, they were doing it to them. They loved them, they appreciated the message they brought. Of course, they thought the Lord Jesus too. And these, these sheep, they're going to enter into the kingdom prepared from the foundation of the world. But what about these goats? They didn't visit these people in prison. And it wasn't because they didn't visit them in prison that they are going to be put away into fire and eternal judgment. They didn't visit them in prison because so they hadn't received the message. And therefore, he says to them, Depart into everlasting fire. You know? Prepare for the devil and his angels. They have their session of judgment and they are banished from his presence, alive, just like the beast and the false prophet, alive into everlasting punishment. Listen to the words uh, that conclude the, the message in Matthew chapter twenty five. These shall go away into everlasting punishment, but the righteous into life eternal. They enjoy the kingdom and eternal life and all its blessings. That's the blessing of the of the judgment of the living, but there will be the judgment of those that are risen. It's referred to in the book of Isaiah uh, chapter 40, I've already quoted that. He shall come and uh, his reward shall be with him. He's coming to bring to those that have been put to death of Israel, whether in the uh, past age or in the tribulation time, he's coming to bring to them the reward. And so he will, there will be set thrones and these will be rewarded by a place in his kingdom, administering his kingdom. And that is referred to in Revelation chapter 20 and verse 4. And then finally, at the end, just this reminder, this is where we're going tomorrow night, Lord willing, really. but it's He's coming, and He will reign as the Son of Righteousness. You get the picture some nice mornings when you're up with little early, and you see the sun rising, and you watch the branches of that sun, beautiful, as it reaches into the velvet of the morning sky, and the you know, when we were children, we drew a yellow ball and these lines up from it. And the sun doesn't exactly have lines like that, except sometimes in the morning or sometimes at night. You'll see these wings of the sun as they stretch out. And the sun of righteousness will arise in the darkness of all that has done before, and hope and light rise, and the sun of righteousness shall arise as healing. As healing for a world... Is healing for a nation, and he shall arise with healing in his ways. All his enemies put down, and he brings blessing and healing to those who belong to him. Why do we know he will come? Why do we know he will reign as the son of righteousness with healing in his ways? <coughs> we know it because God, said that. God has decreed right from the very beginning. He read it in Genesis chapter 3. The last promise in the Old Testament. Malachi chapter 4. Great food at the end of the New Testament. He's coming. But as another thing that I enjoy. Sometime when you read through 1 Corinthians chapter 15, just note this. It simply says there, He must reign. Why? Wow. God can't be God and leave the world that He has created and the mess that it is. He must finish But he intended in this world, and because of who God is, he must reign. God is not going to leave the work unfinished, the ends just rather frayed. He will bring it all to its glorious purpose and conclusion.